Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles with me, please, to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Praise the name of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 32, when you got it, say so. And it says, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promises, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for the privilege that we have, dear God, to be able to look upon your word. Father, we thank you because we are able to be challenged, we are able to be changed by it, And Lord, this morning we ask you that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. God, that we would hear your words and that we would apply them in our lives, that we would run with them, Lord God, that your name would be glorified. And Father God, we thank you for the privilege that we have to look at these men and women of faith that you have given us as examples to help us remember some things that are vital. Father, help us to be what we're called to be a people that are full of faith in all that we do. We give you all the honor and all the praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I believe that one of the things that sometimes we take for granted is our relationship with the creator of the universe. I think that it's it's natural. It's kind of like our parents. You know, growing up, you see different types of parents. You see parents that spoil their kids because they have, you know, everything to give them. They, you know, make good money and things of that nature. And then you have other, you know, parents who don't necessarily have all that money and they can't spoil their children. And so, you know, you see some different perspectives. But if you happen to grow up in that home where your parents were able to give you everything you wanted, you would probably, and I'm not saying definitely, but you would probably take that for granted because you were born in that home and you knew nothing else. Amen? And so, you know, you being that person that grew up in that home may take that stuff for granted. But then there is the other person, glory to God, that's most of us, praise the name of the Lord, that that didn't have all of that stuff. And we were always looking, you know, like, look at what they got. Look at what they were able to do and what great parents. And yet... We didn't realize that while we were over here wishing that we could have all of these other things, we had the most important stuff, which was parents that loved us. Amen, somebody? 
And, 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 and what happens is in either situation, we have a tendency to take for granted what God has given us. And it is the same way with God. It is the same way in our relationship with him. When we initially come to him, when we initially give our lives to him, when he reveals himself unto us, we come to him and tears running down our face, most of us overwhelmed because, man, how could this God, so holy, so perfect, so everything, love me as disgusting as I am and all of my sin? But then after time progresses, we begin to leave that place of our first love. And so what happens is many times we take for granted this true blessing that you and I have because we have a relationship with the creator of the universe and we not only have a relationship with him, but we have been entrusted with his eternal truth in his word. And this is wonderful because last week we began talking or I began speaking about God's resume, which shows us some stuff. Amen. And, and, and what God's resume does is it shows us everything that he has done in the past. And that gives us a clear picture of a few things. And one of those things is that God is faithful to his word. Say it, God, God. is faithful to his word. Say God is able to accomplish his purposes. And God is willing for us to trust him with all of our being. In every situation, no matter the circumstances, we have this wonderful privilege of being able to look as many times as we want. We don't have to worry. You know, sometimes someone will send you something in an email, an attachment or something like that, and you download it initially as something, and I know this happens to me all the time. You download it. You're like, man, I'm going to use this because this is good one day, and you, and you put it somewhere in your computer, and you got to go into that little area where it says search and, and just type in a word because you don't forgot where you put the file, and sometimes your computer, because you forgot the right word, and your computer comes up um, unable to find that um, item there. But, but I want you to know that there is no unable to find that item there right here in your word. Amen, somebody. Because all you got to do is go on ahead and just learn what the scriptures say. And you know what's even more beautiful is that you don't have to depend on the pages of, of a Bible and the words that are written here, but you can literally find that word that you are hiding in your heart. And guess, oh glory to God, guess what you have? You have the ultimate search engine on your side, which is the Holy Ghost, because Jesus said that he will bring to remembrance everything that I have said to you. Therefore, we got the Holy Ghost that is there, and when you can't figure it out, you just depend on him, and you say, Lord, bring it up, and he will bring it up, and he will show you what is necessary. And so it is our responsibility, church, to do a couple of things. Number one, we need to know his will. Number two, we need to be committed to obeying his will. And number three, we need to trust his will as being the best for us, even when it doesn't seem like it to us. Sometimes we go through situations and we experience circumstances that do not seem to us like this is the best thing for us. Mm -hmm. Here's another example. You know, some children, I'm blessed. My daughter, she loves vegetables and she'll get down with whatever. That's a beautiful thing. Not every parent in here has that wonderful blessing. Amen. Uh, glory to God. 
Not, 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 not every child loves to eat those things that are necessary for them, and therefore it makes it more challenging for us as parents to do what? To ensure that they are getting the right and sufficient nutri nutrition in their body. So it's important that we go on ahead and that we embrace that sometimes there are things in life that don't taste so good, don't feel so good, don't look so good, but they are the best thing for us. And we have got to trust by his resume, amen, by, by what he has communicated to us, that he knows what is best for you and I. No matter how painful or pleasurable it is, he knows what's best for you and I. And when we look at his resume, there's a few other things that we come to realize, but one of them that I want to point out is that the scriptures demonstrate to us that our God is a result-oriented designer. He is a result-oriented designer. Any person who is a designer doesn't just, you know, start with, oh, you know, I'm just going to throw this together. No, no, no. They start with the end already in mind. Amen? And so we realize that God has certain results that he wants to see accomplished in your life. What did Jesus say? Jesus said that my Father is glorified in what? That you bear much fruit. Amen? So that means that the design or the designer has a desired result, and that is fruitfulness. Look in the beginning. Look in the, look, look in the book of Genesis, and you find that in the creation of everything, what did God do when the animals came? Well, the animals came forward, and what, immediately he said he blessed them and told them to be fruitful and multiply. Then when he created man, he did the same thing. He blessed them and said be fruitful and multiply. He, he, just, he didn't just want someone who was going to walk around here. Hello. He wanted to have somebody who was going to be fruitful, who was going to produce some stuff. And so this morning, what I want to talk to you about is the results of faithful living. Because we've been looking for the last um, nine, this, this is the ninth message of this series, and we've been looking at this thing called faith. We've been looking at it in the lives of different people, and they have given us some wonderful examples of what it is that God wants from us. He wants us to be a people who are full of faith, for us to be a people who are filled. I love Sister Grace's testimony. You know why? Because it showed us God's purposes being worked out in her life. You see, because what she did was she came up and she admitted, glory to God, what, what, what everybody, and I said everybody, not just them, not just the ladies. Yes, us men that are so masculine and ain't scared of nothing, glory to God. Listen, everybody, because I go, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, glory to God. Everybody has that, 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 that timidity that tries to come over them and keep them from doing what? Sharing the gospel. Why? Because that's the, that's the devil, y'all. Hello. He, he don't want you to open your mouth about Jesus. And so all of these things come popping in your head. Glory to God. All the negatives, blah, blah, blah. Listen, 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 listen. Everybody struggles with it. But you know what? Glory to God. She said something. She said, I prayed for boldness. And you know what? I, I, want, I want to encourage you. Most of the time, boldness doesn't take effect until you step out. See, because here's what we want. We want to get up from prayer. And this, and this is usually what happens. We are in our prayer closet, praying before God, and we get stirred up, we get motivated, everything is just working inside of us, amen? And we're ready to conquer giants, we're ready to take mountains, we're ready to do whatever. And we get up, walk out of our front door. And suddenly, that same assurance, that same emotion, 
that was overtaking us in this room, when we face a situation, doesn't seem to be there. I'm the only one? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Because y'all looking at me like I'm crazy, glory to God. Once again, this is what happens to us. We pray for the boldness. And, and, and that, that moment that we're in there in prayer, the Holy Ghost is dropping it in us. But you know what? He dropped it inside of us, deposited it within us. And you know what we've got to do? we still got to step out in faith to do what? To speak. Praise the name of the Lord. My, my beautiful aunts are here. Glory to God from Puerto Rico. Give God a hand of praise. They're here safely. When I, when I went to Puerto Rico, they asked me to preach in Spanish. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. I drove from one side. I mean, I was, I was excited. I, I mean, I, I went ahead. I, I sat down with my wife. You know, she helped me out with the Spanish stuff, got everything together. I, you know, learned the scriptures in Spanish and everything that I was going to use. I was, I was all the way in, in one side of the island. It's, it, where, where, where's, where's that beach? What is that beach? Anyway, some, some beach over there, some beach, Fajardo or something like that. I'm all the way over here, way on the other side of the island. So just to kind of give you a picture, I might have been in like, let's say, Daytona Beach, okay? And I was driving to Orlando, maybe a little bit further, but, you know, about that. And so I prayed in the Holy Ghost. I mean, I was like, God, you know, I feel this word, and I was excited. And I, and I got in the car, and I, and I thank the Lord that I had to drive that time to get over there because I was dry, I preached the message to myself like 10 times on the way over there. And, I mean, I was going over and over and over. But you know what? When I got there to the church, you would think, right, I got to the church, and that nervousness is gone, and I got the boldness of the Holy Ghost, and I'm ready to preach, right? The devil is a liar. <laughs> Listen, I, I recorded the, the preaching, okay? I was nervous from beginning to end, glory to God. I don't think I've stuttered ever so much in my entire life. I was like, because, you know, I, I, I didn't get what Pastor Lewis got when he came up here and preached in English. Talk slow, brother. And so the point of the matter is that I, I prayed. I had a word from God. I had a deposit from the Holy Ghost. But you know what I had to do? I had to step out in faith. And that's when the boldness came upon me to do what? To communicate the truth. And so what happens to us is it is the same exact situation and scenario. God wants fruit from us. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. God wants fruit from you. He wants the fruit of faith to manifest through your life. He wants the fruit of faith to come forward in every area, not just in our area of evangelism. That is vital, and that is important that we have faith to step out and that we're able to um, experience like Sister Grace did, which was God's process being worked out in us, and that we will understand that, you know what? God has promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? So the first thing that we got to do, repeat this with me, we must maintain an attitude of expectation for the clearly positive results of faith. I know I'm usually a lot shorter than that, glory to God. Everybody, they, 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 they start off strong, then they kind of got softer. Just stick with me, glory to God. We have to maintain an attitude of expectation. In this first group of people here, looking at verse 32, the, the writer says, and what more shall I say? He's coming to a climactic moment in his thought. He is coming to the closing of his message in this particular area. He's coming around the corner and he's saying, what more shall I? I've already given you Abraham. I've already given you Isaac. I've already given you Moses. I've already shown you Noah. I've given you all of these examples of faith. And so he says, what more shall I say? He says, for the time would fail me to tell. And I want to just pause for a moment because I want you to realize 
realize that we have a whole wealth of examples to look at in the scriptures if we will simply take our time to do what? To study them. And you know what we get to see, I love this, is that when we begin to look in the lives of these people that we are seeing as people of faith, we get to see their weaknesses. Amen. We get to see their development. We get to see their growth. So you know what that does for us? That should encourage us that we ain't got to have it all together in order for God to use us. Amen. And so he, he says that time would fail him because he would be going through for, I mean, for, for, forever trying to talk about these people. He said, time would fail me if I were to tell you of Gideon, if I were to tell you of Barak, if I were to tell you of Samson, if I were to tell you of Jethro um, and David and Samuel and the prophets. And through faith, what did they do? They subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouth of the lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens and women receive their dead to life again now everybody everybody wants to be part of this category of results of faith everybody well let's, let, let, let's look at what happened well according to the scriptures they subdued they worked they obtained they stopped they quenched, they escaped, they were made strong, they became valiant, they turned to flight the armies, and they received their dead raised to life again. Everybody wants the deliverance. Amen? Everybody wants to experience this. And you know why God puts this in the word for us? Because we should have an expectation that God is able no matter what we're facing. Amen? We should have this expectation that we know that our God is able to deliver us. That our God is able to strengthen us in our weakest moment. That our God is able to get us through whatever we're facing. That our God is able to turn our situations around. Amen. It's important for us to also for a moment take notice of these names that are given. Now notice he doesn't give a whole bunch of names, but he gives a few names. <clears throat> so first of all, he gives the name of Gideon. He gives the name of Barak. He gives the name of Samuel. He gives the name of Jephthah and these are the two names that I think that we would expect to be there And it is the name of David because we know that David was a man after God's own heart Amen, and we know that Samuel was a man who the Bible says God did not let any of his words fall to the ground Samuel was a powerful powerful prophet of God used mightily so we would expect that they would be in there but these other names are names that some of us may not even be familiar with. And it's okay because you don't have to know everything that there is in the Bible. But the bottom line is that when you look at these names, some of them you wouldn't expect. Like, for example, Samson. When you think of Samson, what do you automatically think of? Delilah. That, that, that's Samson, Delilah. It's automatic. Why? Because that is what we know. But it's amazing. This person who we think of, we say, Samson or oh, that guy, he was crazy. Samson had to be probably one of the most carnal people on the planet. I'm trying to tell you. This guy was, look, I'm, I'm, it's funny, but the, the fact of the matter is he was supposed to be a Nazarite. Okay, now, just to explain real quick, a Nazarite was a person who was under a vow to God. Couldn't cut their hair, couldn't drink any or eat anything that came from the vine. In other words, no wine, no grapes, no nothing like that. Couldn't have none of that stuff. He couldn't go near anything that was dead. Definitely couldn't be caught up sleeping with a prostitute. This guy did all of the above. The only thing he didn't do was cut his hair. But then he was lying in Delilah's lap. Hello? 
And he tells the woman the secret to his strength. Because that was the only law that he hadn't broken of the vow that he was supposed to be living. And so he goes and he says, hey, if you cut my hair, it's going to happen. What happened? They come up in there, shaved and bald. He was looking like me, glory to God. Hallelujah. I wish it would grow back like his did, but that's not happening. But it's all right. And the brother gets taken. Look, he went from being a deliverer of the people. So being a clown in the Philistine court. Do you understand that? Do you understand that he was, look, he was the deliverer, okay? Samson was the man at that moment. And he went from being this high person in God's eyes to now being a clown in the king's court. They poked the guy's eyes out. He was messed up. So when we think of Samson, we don't think of a person of faith, but God does. God, God said, hold on a second, the Bible says, all scripture is inspired by God. So the writer of this particular epistle didn't make a mistake. He didn't write the wrong name. It was an inspiration of God. And you know, once again, let's go back. Because these things were passed down from generation to generation to generation. Well, let's look at Gideon because, you know, we, we know a little bit about Samson. How many of y'all know who Gideon is? Raise your hand and know who Gideon is. Let me tell you about Gideon really quickly for those of you that don't know. Gideon is this frightful frightened scared farmer and God appears to him and tells him I'm going to make you the deliverer of my people and he's like not me <laughs> he said listen my, I'm the youngest of my family our tribe is a small we, we, you you ain't doing that with me and God is like yes I am he said I'm calling you a mighty warrior he's like me no 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 so then Gideon's like all right I'm, I'm gonna get you now if this is true then what I want you to do is I want you to make this fleece wet and the ground dry. So in other words, he took a blanket, put it on the floor, and he said, if I wake up tomorrow morning, the ground is dry and the fleece is wet, I believe you're calling me. Guess what? Wakes up the next morning, ground is dry, fleece is wet. He says, that was a magic trick. Someone was listening to me, came up in here and dried the ground. He said, now, if you really called me tomorrow, I want the fleece to be dry and the ground to be wet, right? And I might be doing this backwards, but glory to God. You get the point. The point was, he comes into the situation and he goes, he wakes up the next morning. Guess what? Ground is wet. Fleece is dry. That's impossible. How can there be a, 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 a fleece that is on the ground while the ground is wet in just this little area? Proves what? He was afraid. This dude got a miracle and asked for another miracle. So we wouldn't call that a person of faith. Oh, that person looking for confirmation all the time. But what did God call him? God called him a person of faith. And, you know, he went forward and with like he had this great army. He's like, all right, I'm going to get as many people as I can get with me. And he ended up going over there. I think it went with like 300 people or something like that. And he ended up whooping up the armies. Glory to God. Man of faith. Move on to this next person by the name of Barack. How many of y'all know who Barack is? Raise your hand if you know who Barack is. Not Barack Obama, okay? We all know him, all right? Glory to God. We pray for him every day, amen? That's what you need to do. He's our president. Now, listen, I'm not talking about Barack Obama. Raise your hand really high if you know who Barack is. So we got one, two, three, four, five. Okay. How many of you know who Deborah is? Raise your hand. Ah. Now, now this is important. 
Because Barack, he needed a woman. Ladies, I ain't trying to offend you. He needed a woman to have his back in order to go fight. You know what her name was? Deborah, glory to God. That's why you know about Deborah. Because Deborah gave him a prophetic word and said, listen. He came and said, should I go fight? She said, go fight. The Lord's going to give me into your hand. He said, I'm not going unless you go with me. That's, this is what this guy said. Glory to God. And she said, okay, I'm going to show you what a man should be doing because a man don't want to do what he's supposed to do. And guess what? You are not going to get the glory. Listen now. You are not going to get the glory for this battle. That's why we know about Deborah because she got the glory. Hello. But here's the beauty. Even though he didn't get the glory for the battle, he got the recognition as being a man of faith. So he shows us this frightful farmer. This guy who needs a woman to have his back shows us Samson, who is probably the most carnal person we will ever know. Hands down. <laughs> this guy, I'm serious. This guy made us all look like angels. And then he goes to this person by the name of Jephthah. Now, Jephthah was a little bit different. How many of y'all know Jephthah? Raise your hand if you know Jephthah. Hallelujah. Him and I hung out a couple weeks ago. I'm just kidding. Very few of us know who Jephthah is, and it's okay because it's later on in, in, in the book of Judges. You know, I think he's after Samuel or something like that. Anyway, or Samson. Jephthah, he had, a, he, had a, he had a real peculiar situation. First of all, his mother was a prostitute. Because his mother was a prostitute, his brother said, look, man, you ain't going to inherit none of our daddy's stuff because your mama's a strange woman. That's what the Bible says. Strange it calls her a strange woman. Someone that just she's just a freak. She's crazy. That's what they thought. That, that, that's what it was. That, that, I'm, I'm just letting you know. That's the English translation today. That would be the modernized version. She, that, that's what he was saying. She's crazy. So you know what they did? He's a, he's a, he's the son of a harlot. They his brothers disown him. And so you know what he does? Now he's by himself. So you know what he's got to do? He's got to defend himself. So what what happens to him then? The Bible says that worthless men became connected with him so what happened mama's a harlot kicked out of the family inheritance and now he goes these worthless men come around him what does he become he becomes a bandit y'all he becomes a raider he becomes a robber but then god's grace and mercy the people realize okay we're going to fight against this kingdom amen i think it was amorites we're going to fight against them and you know what we need somebody who's ruthless Someone who knows how to get the job done. And so they went over to him and they said, listen, can you come and fight for us? And he looked at them and said, y'all crazy? Hold on. Wait, wait. Y'all hate me, don't you? Y'all kicked me out of my daddy's house. And he asked him one question. He said, listen, if I go ahead and fight with you guys, you going to make me your leader? And he says, yeah. He's like, glory to God. Now, we wouldn't call this man a man of faith. We wouldn't think of him as a man of faith. Most of us, there was like four of us that knew who he was. Glory to God. So we would definitely not categorize him as someone of faith, a man of faith. But this was the man who God chose to raise up in spite of there was a whole bunch of other folks in that family. There was a whole bunch of other people that maybe could have done the job, but God chose the most unlikely one to mark him for what? Because he had a design and he had a purpose for that design church. 
So why is it important? Because you know what? All of us want to be part of this part of the results of faith. But you know what happens to us? Many times what we begin to do is we begin to measure what God can do with us by our weaknesses or we begin to limit God with what he can do in us by our abilities. Doesn't make no sense, but listen to me. What happens is we begin to say, well, you know, I can do this and I can do that and I can do the next thing so God could use me this far. So we limit God and what he can do in our lives. It is important that we look at the lives of these people. And first of all, let me, let, let me, let me make this very clear. It doesn't give us a right to be a hypocrite. Hello. I am not giving, I, make, sure, make sure you're recording this back there, glory to God. I am not saying you can go out there and be crazy and act how you want to act and just expect that God is going to use you like he did these people because, listen, there is no guarantee. As a matter of fact, let's just look at the life of Samson because, like I said, he was called to be a deliverer of his people. And because he was disobedient and he disobeyed and broke every part of his vow to God, what ended up happening was the guy got his eyes gouged out. And you know what the scripture says? The scripture says that when he killed the Philistines, when he pushed those pillars that we all know about he did more in his death than he did while he was living now listen I don't know about you but I don't want to be the person who does more when I die more people get saved at my funeral more people hear about Jesus at my funeral glory to God than they do while I'm living hello somebody because there are some folks that that is going to be the case and I hope that none of them are in this place amen very important that we realize that we can't go out there just living crazy. But you know what? If we are a person who was not the best person, if we are a person who didn't have the best family that we came from, if we are a person who wasn't perfect by the standards of men, don't allow that to be the thing that keeps you from believing, that keeps you from having an expectation that God can use you because God has always done this amazing thing and he takes the foolishness of this world to confound the wise. He takes the weak things of this world to confound the strong he does that because that is the way that he is because it is in those vessels that are the least likely vessels that he gets the greatest glory out of Amen. hello somebody and so we all want to be part of this so it's important that we look at these examples now the second thing i would like for you to repeat after me well, this will be the third thing today say we must possess an attitude of endurance in the face of of the apparently undesirable results of faith. Now, as we continue to read here, because we saw all of these wonderful things, and we look at verse 35, and it's a period women received their dead raised to life again, period. And then it goes on, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might retain, obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. They weren't wearing Versace. Glory to God. Mm-hmm. Being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. I want to let you know that the reason why I started this series on faith was because of this portion of scripture. This is where I wanted to get to the whole time. But I couldn't jump there because I had to do it right. Glory to God. I had to show you all of these things that, that are wonderful in faith. Because nobody that I know 
And if there is, there are very few of them because the Apostle Paul proves that there are few people who are willing to endure suffering for the cause of Christ. Because they warned the Apostle Paul and they told him in the book of Acts, they said, listen, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be killed. You know, you're going to be beaten. And, and he said, you know what, they, they were begging him not to go. And he said, listen, I'm not only ready to be beaten, but I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die. Now, I'm, I have to be honest here. Now, I don't think most of us would be, be saying that. We'd be like, you know what, God? If the person was standing in front of me going to shoot me, I wouldn't deny you. But I have a choice to make here. I have a choice in this matter. And so I don't have to go there, glory to God. And, you know, most of us, what we would have done, this, this, is what we this is what we would have done. Most of us would have heard the people around us begging, saw them crying, and said, see, the Lord don't want me to go. Confirmation right there. Wet fleece, dry fleece, wet neck, whatever, tears. and they, Don't go, don't go, don't go. God, you give me. Listen, listen, listen. Most people don't want to be part of that. But let's look at it again in detail. Very few people want to be part of this category of faith results. The Bible says they were what? They were tortured. Does anybody want to be tortured? No. They had trials of mockings, people making fun of them and scourgings, people beating them. They had chains. They were imprisoned. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Understand, sawn in two, cut in half. They were tempted. How were they tempted? They were tempted to go on ahead and deny their faith, and they would have been delivered from all of this stuff. And they said, no, they didn't, want to, they, 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 they didn't want to do that. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute. They were alone. They were afflicted. They were tormented. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, church. That's what these people did by faith. Did you hear me? This is what they did by faith. They didn't close the mouth of lions like Daniel. Hello? They didn't go and conquer Goliath like David. They didn't go and subdue kingdoms like Jephthah, like Samson. Like not, that isn't what they did, church. These people, by faith, suffered. Why is this important for us? Because most of the time, when we think of faith, we think that because we have faith, everything is going to work the way that it should. In our eyes. Everything. It's going to turn out just like we say it is. Everything, we, we, we're not going to go through no hardship. We're not going to go through no trial. We're not going to go through any difficult situations. Everything is going to be peachy because what? I got a promise. Listen to me, church. You have a promise that Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. He'll walk you through those hardships. He'll walk you through those trials. As a matter of fact, folks don't want to hear this either, and I don't know exactly where it is, but I believe it's in the book of Revelation chapter 6 around there. And it is when the Bible is talking about the, um, the, the seals that are being opened. And one of the seals that is open, the Bible says that the seal is opened and he saw a throne. And under that throne, he saw the saints that had already gone to heaven. And the saints look up at God and they say, God, when are you going to avenge us? Everybody wants vengeance. Do you know what God says? He says, wait, because there are others who have to suffer like you. We don't want to hear that. That's why it's so quiet in here right now. Because we don't want to hear that we're going to have to suffer. We don't want to hear that we're going to have to go through hardship. We don't want to hear that. And I'm not saying it's guaranteed. But what I'm telling you is that these people, 
that didn't, you know, close the mouth of these lions, these people that were tortured, these people that were mocked, these people that were beaten, these people that were stoned, these people that were in prison, they didn't have any less faith than the other ones. Did you hear me? They didn't have any less faith than, because that's immediately what we do, right? Well, this person's going through this, they must lack faith. Is it not true? Come on, church, let's be honest with ourselves now. If this person is going through that, they've got, they've got to be in sin. Is this not true? Come on now, let, let, let's be real. If, if this person is experiencing that, oh, you know, that, 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 they're just making bad decisions. You know what? They're, they're in sin secretly, and we just don't know their sin openly. But God is letting them suffer. Mm-hmm. You see, as unpopular, undesirable, and unwarranted these situations may be because these people hadn't sinned, we must remember something, church. That when you and I become the target of the enemy's aggression, it is only because we have become the object of our Lord's affection. On Friday night, the ladies went out to go ahead and preach. And I was so excited, and I'm so proud of you. Ladies, I just want you to know, I want you to give them another hand. Glory to God. I'm so proud of you for stepping out in faith. I know that, you know, it's not the easiest thing to do. But I want you to know that, you know, I have a testimony too, glory to God. As I went into my office, you know, I'm looking at my my messages, and and I see a light flashing late. And, you know, I'm like, man, maybe, you know, somebody could be hurt. Somebody could be in trouble, something like that, glory to God. And so, you know, me being a loving bishop, hallelujah, (laughs) make sure everything is all right. I go ahead and I hit, you know, the, the message button. And, you know, I have my messages loud because I'm deaf, glory to God. But, I, you know, so it's really loud. It's like all the way up on eight. And all of a sudden, it is this person. They said, yes, I'm calling because I wanted to ask you to kindly not put your Christian propaganda on my car. And then we went into a rated R version, glory to God, of a conversation. And I was, like, hitting the lower button because I got kids. And I'm like, oh, my Lord. And, you know, I listened to this thing, and I was like, well, glory to God. There's a win. Hallelujah. Right? Because it's a win. Amen? And I'm like, good. The devil is mad because she was furious. Glory to God. And, 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 and let, 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 me, let, let, let me explain something to you. When I walked out of there, I told my wife, I said, man, that hurts my heart. But it didn't hurt my heart because, you know, I didn't expect anything like that. I mean, I didn't expect that. But, you know, you expect to be rejected and things like that. But, man, just the anger that was in this girl, just the absolute resentment of anything that had to do with Jesus, anything that had to do with Christianity. I mean, she was calling us hypocrites and all this and that. And I was like looking through my phone, who called? I want to call them back and just witness to them again. But they put a private thing on there, so I couldn't, you know, call them back. But anyway, the thing was, that when I went home, I mean, I was like crying. I mean, I got in my car and I was, because, you know, I recognize that this person, if they die in that state, church, they are going to hell. And you know, and you know what they're going to remember? It's going to be brought to their attention that somebody put a flyer on their car to save their life. And they obviously looked at it long enough to know it was Christian propaganda. Hello. So, so they, they, they knew what was on that thing there. 
And what I realized is this, is that we have to be a people that, and, and that, that was what the Lord spoke to me when I was on my way home. He said, when the enemy is angry like that, I'm not talking about because some people, I, and this is real, some, some folks just open the door to the enemy and just give the enemy access to their life because of their disobedience and their sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you that is standing upon God's word, you that is walking out this walk the best way that you can, you that is trying to pray, you that is trying to be in the word, you who are going through those difficult situations, you have got to understand that it is in suffering many times that we get to know our Savior better. It is not only in the deliverance, and here what I want to say is that what we've got to realize is that many times it takes more faith to endure a trial than it does to escape one. See, everybody wants the escape. Everybody wants to get out quick. Everybody, everybody wants to get out of jail free card. Hello. Everybody wants it. When you play Monopoly, you wanted it, glory to God, for when you ended up there by accident, hallelujah, couldn't pay because you was over there. All right, uh-huh. Everybody wants that card, and we want the same card in life. And listen, God never promises us. Hear me, church. Read the New Testament. And you will find the apostles continuously communicate to the church. We must, through much suffering, gain heaven. It didn't say it was going to be peachy. Listen, we have it easy. All we got to get is a conversation. Someone tell us off. These people were getting killed. That's the reason why the writer had to write the book of Hebrews. That's the reason. Because they were starting to be depleted of faith because they were going through hardship. They were going through trials. They were going through all of this stuff. And for some reason, they felt like, well, you know, I shouldn't be going through this. See, the third thing that I want you to say is that we should, say it with me, live our lives with a desire to live so full of faith that the world is unworthy of us. See, because you notice what the text says. The text tells us that the world was not worthy that these people lived here. These people of faith that went through all of that, went through all of that suffering. Most people, when I, when I was studying out the scripture, most of the people that look at this, you know, the, the, the commentators, the, you know, theological minds, and the ones that study and know language better than, you know, me any day, they all agree that when he says this in verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy, he wasn't talking about all of the victorious ones in faith. He was talking about the ones that suffered in faith. He was talking about the ones that didn't get the escape route. He was talking about the ones that were tortured. He said the world was not worthy of them. When you look at the Apostle Paul, he was one of those. The world was not worthy of him. They said he was out of his mind, and yet God said this one, this one I'm going to show my glory through. He's, he, they, 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 Stephen, remember Stephen, the first one that got killed? He was another one that they wanted to kill him because his words were so strong toward him. They went ahead and they gnashed their teeth. They picked up those stones and they began to stone this guy to death. Why did that happen, church? It happened because sometimes, sometimes there are situations that are going to occur and you are going to have to suffer in order for you to just say to God, I love you. And that's it. I know we don't want to hear that. That's not popular. Bishop, come on, tell me I'm going to get out of this. I can't guarantee you anything, but I can tell you this, that if you will remain faithful, if you will go through this, 
He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You will give him glory and you will give him honor in the midst of whatever trial, in the midst of whatever situation. And, and, and it doesn't mean that you have less faith than someone else. It doesn't mean that God loves you less than someone else. As a matter of fact, I will go as far as to say in some situations, what God is showing you is that I have entrusted you with something that others couldn't handle. Because in the midst of whatever you're going through, you know what you're going to do? You're going to give me praise. In the midst of what you're going through, you're going to give me glory. Faithful living is fully demonstrated by where it takes you, not only what it takes you through. See, because when we are really full of faith, church, you'll notice that these people here, the Bible says they didn't even receive the promises. That's what it says. Read it. It says they didn't even receive the promise. What promise was that? It was the Savior who was coming. They never saw him. Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it. How did he see it? <laughs> Abraham saw it by faith, and he lived for that. And so if we're going to be those people that are going to live our lives, who are going to live in that, that manner that is going to demonstrate that this world wasn't even worthy that we were here, we're going to have to look at these heroes of faith because what happened to them? Some of them experienced deliverance. Some of them endured trials. And all of them left us a verifiable example of what faith looks like and what faith produces. But they so lived for the promised life to come that they were not satisfied with their deliverance nor shaken by their trials. See, these people being delivered, it wasn't enough for them. You know why? They didn't get comfortable in their deliverance. They were still looking forward to Jesus who was coming. These other ones who went through the trials, they didn't get all sour and bitter and, oh God, why have you forsaken me? And, you know, God's word doesn't work. And I, No, they didn't get like that, church. They went ahead and they weren't shaken. They continued to move forward, looking forward to what? Looking forward to the Savior who was coming. And so what do we do now? While they were looking forward, we look back. We look at that wonderful sacrifice on that cross for you and for me. So that way what? We could have eternal life. So that way we could experience the full life that isn't because of everything you have in this world, but it's because the one that you know makes your life full. Amen? And so my question for you this morning is a pretty simple one, and yet it is a little complicated. Has your faith in Christ so filled your heart that the approval of man, that the pleasures of this world, and anything else that this world has to offer become nothing in comparison to pleasing Christ has your faith in him come to that place well you know what what men say about me I could care less what, 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 what I have doesn't matter in comparison to pleasing the one who died for me if your faith is there glory to God and if it's not today I challenge you to come across that line and let God reveal himself to you in a way that will change your life eternally. Amen? Come on and stand to your feet and bow your heads with me, please.